1: Welcome to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're going to go through systems thinking made simpler.
2: Hey, Ed, how's it going? I thought it was made easy, Ron, but you're just Uh, you're saying simpler now. Okay, because I think so we're we're, we're walking it back a little bit. We're walking walking it
1: back a little bit. (laughs) This is actually based on a book called Simple Complexity, a management book for the rest of us, a guide to systems thinking by William Donaldson, Ph.D., published in 2017. Shout out to Mark Gandy on his book on his CFO Bookshelf show, which he did with the author on April 30th, 2023. And it was just one of those podcasts I listened to and said, this guy has got such a refreshing take on systems thinking that it just, it, it made sense to me. And I just thought it would be worth doing a show on because I know we've tackled this topic before. I forget the show number way back, way back,
2: back, long time ago,
1: but we use Peter Senge's book. uh, What is it? The fifth discipline. Yes. And that's not an easy book to get through. No. And he lays out 11 laws in that book that we did get through and we talked about, and gave our own examples, but this guy's just got a different take on it. It's just, it's not a, it, it's not anything new or radical. It's just expressing it. I think maybe in a more digestible way.
2: Well, the bar was not high <laughs> <laughs> or the bar, the bar was pretty low, I should say. True. The bar was pretty low for express. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Sengi's work is some of the some of the seminal stuff in this this area. Uh, the it fifth is. discipline was, was a major influence over me, especially back in in the days when I was building a partner organization, where we were going in and, and replacing people's accounting system and you all, sometimes entire back office and even front office operations. So you needed some of those foundational principles to be able to do this. And just the concept of what he calls the learning organization, which is right up our alley, you know, the knowledge mm-hmm. economy, if wealth is knowledge, learning is growth. So we ha- what is it that we're doing to, to create a, a, an organization that learns collectively? And this is why we're in, in love with after action reviews and all of this stuff. But, but uh, Senghi's stuff is great, but man, it's hard to get through. It's, it it's, it's hard to get through.
1: And, of course, there's some other uh, you know, really prominent lights in this field, Peter Drucker being among them.
2: Oh, of course,
1: yeah. Mar- Margaret Wheatley is another one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Danella Meadows, uh, W. Edwards Deming, and one of my favorite, who I just stumbled on, I don't know, 10 years ago, Russell Ackoff. But there are a lot of others, and he cites most of them. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I just thought it would be an interesting show to kind of go through this because I, for some reason, This topic just is overlooked, especially in the leadership literature. I agree. You uh, you just, oh yeah, we can come in and just do this and and just ignore or not even, or just be oblivious of the fact that this whole thing is a system. Mm -hmm. Um, He starts with a great quote from Tom Northup and he says, all organizations are perfectly designed to get the results they are now getting. (laughs) <laughs> and the, that that's a brutally uh, yes true fact i mean it's just you know hey look the, the system's got its own rhythm and cadences mm-hmm. and systems bite back they're both complex and simple and you have to be behold them and you have to be beware of them mm-hmm. because if you introduce something that they don't like you're gonna you're gonna get the result or not mm-hmm. get the result um so I just, I really like this, but let, let's start where we usually do. Let's describe this. He says, okay. your enterprise is a system that converts inputs, time, people, and money mm-hmm. into outputs, goods and services, what systems thinkers call throughputs. Um, and he says, ask yourself, are those results acceptable and desired? Did you design the system or did it develop by default? because it will develop by default. Uh, And as the owner or leader, you are the designer of your organization. Um, So I kind of like that. Then he goes on to say, Ed, that systems thinking derives its power from the philosophic concept of holism. And holism is the theory that the parts cannot exist independent of the whole. You cannot understand the parts without understanding the whole. And understand that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts you must combat the reductionist tendency to look at your enterprise as a set of discrete parts to be optimized
2: yeah i mean this is this this is the famous homer simpson video that that we've we've played for years where you know homer's asked to does, Danny devito plays the the, the car owner right and, and they design the design the car and Homer puts all of these different disparate things together. It seems like a great idea, and it's an absolute disaster. But, um, yeah, no, you're right on with this. And and you know what's interesting is that the word that is used to describe that, that holism, when I first started learning this, was, was integrity. mm Mm, mm-hmm. And it's still used that way in the UK and Australia. The word "integrity" means slightly different things in North America than it does in in UK right. and other other English speaking countries, because that that integrity has this holistic concept to it, it like it integral, like a whole number, right? So mm-hmm. that, that's the the, the the same thing. And and so, sometimes I like thinking of of using that word instead of holism because I think that gets a little bit. Airy, fairy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but but but, <clears throat> and this is might, might just be my, the way my brain and my system works. But the integrity really helps me ca- encapsulate that a little bit better.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it, we do we talk about the integrity of the system, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Ru- Russell Lakoff in his book Creating the Corporate Future from 1981, he he defined it this way. He said a system is a whole that cannot be divided into independent parts its properties and behavior derive from the interactions of its parts not their actions considered separately a disassembled auto cannot carry people
2: <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> and and ron i'm curious, curious something as, as we're, we're talking through this one of the things i think that that I saw you have not necessarily an epiphany, but more of a realization, even after the two of us met, was that pricing was and value pricing was was uh, affected by this. because I don't know if you were you had taught it this way, but maybe when you wrote the original professional's guide to value pricing, you were m- more thinking along the lines as well, I'll just take the billable hour and cost plus pricing and replace it with value pricing. And it, you know as take take this out, put this in. And I think one of the realizations that I, I think you ha- have had over time, and it's been greater and greater, is that that changes everything, and you can't just change that one piece of the system.
1: <laughs> that dawned on me very, very slowly as I worked through that first book and its first six editions that you weren't just tampering with pricing. You were, t- um, you know, Reed Holden and his mm-hmm. group, uh, Tom Nagel, and others in that group taught me this. You touch pricing, you touch everything. It, it yeah. touches everything. And, you know, but that's just systems thinking. You touch anything, it touches everything. You touch marketing, there... you touch finance, you mm-hmm. touch any silo, and right. it's going gonna, it's gonna to have repercussions. But it, yeah, definitely. This is why Paul O'Byrne, the late Paulo O'Byrne, used to tell me, he said, you don't say it this way, but you should. He said, <laughs> value pricing is a panacea. And I think mm. it took me a, a while to figure out what he meant, but, because it changes it forces you to change everything
0: mm-hmm.
1: as you're touching the system that's why i can't just get on board with people that say oh you can value price but still keep timesheets no timesheets are a system mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're and and they and they're incongruent they, they it, it it's it, what, what do you call it, it mutually exclusive it, it hurts yeah. your integrity it hurts your integrity right it, right you know because you're it's it's just not it's not congruent with the rest of the system so yeah that yeah, I think that's very true, and of course, after especially after reading a lot of Drucker and Ackoff and some of these others, Margaret Wheatley, um, you realize that oh geez, we're all in a system, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not, <laughs> whether we yeah. acknowledge it, whether we're conscious of it or not. And right. I, I, Ed, I think most people are unconscious about it. I really oh. do.
2: Oh, absolutely, and 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 we're all parts of systems in different places that we don't realize that we're a part of. This is not just at the office. Right, In a way, your, your, your family unit is a system. You're, you're, I mean, and this gets back to Howard Hansen's work too in triangles and all kinds of uh, emotional uh, connection. But uh, I want to ask you, so th- go, go, going back now, did you as you as you were putting together Times Up you, your new book and by the way quick quick pitch for Times Up Club those of you who are listening and not a member of Times Up Club go on to timesupclub.com and make sure you join the free forever program we can get the chapter summaries from audio chapter summaries from Ron's book but did did that influence having realized that from a systems thinking perspective with value pricing how did it affect your conception and creation of times
1: up, boy! Uh, I, I it forced. I think it forced both of us to you reevaluate. Paul. It, yeah. it, no, Paul. You, well, the three of us. Let's say yeah. <laughs> it forced all of us to rethink everything. Mm-hmm. You had to rethink certain tenets of value pricing. Hey, you don't need three choices. Hey, we shouldn't be talking about scope. It, it was it, it forced the rethinking and. We're not there yet with this guy's book, but we're going to get there where he talks about how a culture emerges and what it emerges. It emerges from the system, but we're still kind of not done with the definition. Yeah, but, sorry. But that, <laughs> no, no, that that's fine. That's something that we can that we can go to. I just want to touch off one thing. He also says, and I, and I just love this because it's this a great duality and just you know that that idea of what, what what's that famous quote of holding two incongruent ideas in your head at the same time and being able to function. Yeah. Um, systems are both simple and complex and you have to embrace both states. He said business is taught in a reductionist way. You know, we break the complex organization into pieces, right? Marketing, accounting, finance, but it's modeled on the Newtonian and mechanical principles presumes that if we study all the parts individually, we will understand the whole. Yet each of these functions are all subordinate to the enterprise system they are each a system within a larger system and I'm trying to optimize each one of them is often counterproductive. Um, so kind of like, that's another great point. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're both simple and complex and and uh, that's going to repeat over and over as we talk about this. And, you know, Margaret Wheatley, you brought
2: her up earlier, uh, and I, she was on show number 308, by the way, she, that, that, one of the things I learned from her, and I remember reading this passage in the book, and I, her, her, one of her books is called Leadership in, in, in the New Science, mm-hmm. where she makes this direct comparison to this notion that, okay, we're, we're, we, we have this Newtonian view of things, but physics has gone beyond that. And it's now more about the stuff that we don't understand, things like entanglement, quantum entanglement, quantum theory. And what we really have to do is rethink our businesses in terms of those kinds of structures where, and, and her, the very simple way that she phrases it, what I thought was great, which she says on your organization chart, it's more about the lines than it is the boxes.
1: The boxes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a great, this guy gets into that too. Um, yeah. That that's fantastic. I've, I've always liked Jonah's analogy of the difference between the, and I think it goes back to Hayek. D- don't try and be like an engineer, be more, be more like a gardener yeah cultivate the the conditions for growth but don't try and you know organize it um anyway ed this is flying by and folks we'd like to remind you if you want to contact ed or me send us an email to ask tsoe at Varisage.com. do check out our patreon channel where you can get access to our bonus show and commercial free regular show that's at patreon.com slash tsoe that channel is sponsored by 90 minds It's a matter of mind. Check them out at 90minds.com. And now a word from our sponsors.
3: Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe
2: now.
3: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
0: You are tuned into the Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now back to the Soul of Enterprise.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're trying to make systems thinking easier. <laughs> and and Ed, one of the things I really like is um, he's got throughout the book, he's got these uh, these bold words, behold and beware. Behold the system. Um, it, it's, it's, ama- it's got amazing constructs at which one often must marvel. I think this is how we feel about the price system, right? Mm-hmm. Behold it and marvel. But then beware of the system because systems have a mind and rhythm of their own. And, they, and they're often vexing. This is why Peter Senge called systems thinking the fifth discipline, because it is the discipline that integrates the disciplines.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's another interesting thing to talk about. Um, and he also points out that perhaps the single greatest liability of management is they confront these complex, dynamic realities with a language designed for simple, static problems. And I, yeah. I, I just can't help thinking of macroeconomics when I hear that. The mm-hmm. Fed going, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to move this lever and it's going to have this effect on the economy. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about a, a, a system as complex as the economy.
2: Well and, and let's let's talk, talk about this a little bit at the risk of you know getting everybody to get to a snooze fest because as soon as we bring up economics, Ron, you know that there's a certain percentage of people like, okay, it's time to take a little nap <laughs> but uh, I, you know it, it took it, it is I still am trying to completely unpack in my mind the great quote from Hayek about the curious task of economics is to demonstrate to men how little they really know, about what they imagine they can design. And that it's so hard to unpack that. But the, the, the more and more I've thought about it, the more and more I, I, I seem to be coming to the conclusion that I thought it was about that when he, when he said that, well, how little they know about how much they can design was that we have great power with us to be able to do stuff to it. But it's not. It's actually a little bit of the inverse of that. It's saying, you think you can design this? You can't. This this emerge. It's a cautionary quote. Is you you can't design it. It has to emerge a little bit more. And I like to. Does the book make any uh, call? Because I think you brought it up a little bit earlier of emergent systems versus design systems. As as and as to whether one is better or superior than the other, or does he say they 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 can be designed, but they're still going to emerge. There's still going to be an organic function around it. That even if you try to design it, it's going to go its own way.
1: Yeah, he, he doesn't talk about it that way, like, like we're used to hearing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Russ Roberts talk about emergent systems and that mm-hmm. type of thing and spontaneous order and all that. But he does talk about the three essential components of a system. They're based on elements, mm-hmm. elements within the system, the interactions, right? And this is basically the design of the work, how people interact and get things done. Mm-hmm. So elements, interactions, and purpose. He said, a system needs a purpose without a purpose. What's the point of bringing the elements together, Mm -hmm. right? A watch tells time that's a function, but the person wearing it has a purpose, right? To be somewhere on time. And I think this is one of the really cool things about this. He said, beware, the system will reveal the true purpose in spite of the stated vision and mission statements or the absence thereof and beware and behold. And I love this, Ed, your corporate culture is an emergent property of your system. Yes. Culture is a component of your system, one that you cannot address directly because it emerges from the system. So we've talked about this all the time. You want to work on your culture, you have to work on those interactions, those elements, or your purpose. Mm -hmm. right? Because that's, this is, this is, I think the problem with keeping the timesheet in a value pricing firm. It, 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 it doesn't make sense with the interactions and the purpose overall of having a pricing culture versus, you know, have a measurement culture like that.
2: Yeah. And, And it's, and in fact, it's contradictory to it. And I'll give you another, well, I know you know this, but I'll want to share share this with our audience. And we have talked about this recently. So, uh, is Ricardo Semler's idea about getting rid of expense reports, right, right? Because and if you really think about that, this I, and I, I just love that this whole this whole concept is that when Ricardo Semler is with the head of Semco down in Brazil, and their policy is that everyone who comes to work for Semco gets is given an American Express card the day that they start with the organization and told if you need anything to do your job better, better put it on the American Express card. We don't audit it. We 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 just pay it right they i'm sure they categorize it whatever for the correct ex- expense line item in the sure. in, in the PL, but they're not going to look at it they're just going to going to pay it because if you need to do something do you take it and do it and i just uh, there's so many things about this but the, not not the least of which is that that's trust you know you we, we hear organizations pay lip service to we, we, we have a high level of trust inside our organizations. And then you ask, do you have an expense reporting system? And they say yes. And I'm like, why?
1: Yeah, with 14 layers of approval. Well, but
2: we, yeah, or not, not even 14. Just the fact that you have an expense system that has an approval process is counter, counter to trust. Because what, what it's saying is, no, we don't trust you to do what's right with this card, and we need to make sure that your your expenses are in alignment and and are are okay. We need to we need to check you. We don't trust you. We don't trust that you won't be a, f- a fiduciary responsible person in the organization. You say, well, if you gave them that, they would just you know they would just you know really they're going to buy all of their meals on the American Express card. Then why did you hire that person? If you yeah. think that that's what somebody's going to do. Coupled with the fact that is and, – and this is the thing I love about Semler. is most of the people that we give American Express cards to are in some way customer-facing. <laughs> and, and they could do millions of dollars of damage to relationships by saying something, doing something yep. stupid. But I'm not going to trust them with an expense rep- uh, 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 an expense account and an American Express card? This is insane. So you see, and that's what you, you, I I love this point that he's making in this book. It's, it is completely counterproductive. It says, oh, we, high level of trust in our culture, but here's the expense system.
1: Right. Like, you know, it's almost like he, and he doesn't say this directly, but I kind of implied this from the book, the system emerges from the system emerges the reality, Mm. you know, we can have purpose on the wall we can run around and say this and that, but man, the system, you want to learn what's going on. Mm-hmm. What you know, get the feedback from the system. Just like right. they say, talk to the frontline workers, right. In an organization to learn really what's going on. Right. That's yeah. why CEOs go on listening tours when they start because, and they're not talking to the C-suite they're talking to the people on the front line. Mm-hmm. I just read yeah. the book by the CEO took over United airlines and, and, uh, one of the flight attendants came up to him on a flight. It was like his first week or something. And he was on this big listening tour and she came up to him. And she goes, stop making me have to say, I'm sorry to the passengers. And wow. that, 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 that stuck with him. And it became the theme of his turnaround. And I'd been flying United. I didn't even know there was a turnaround. I didn't expect, <laughs> apparently that the, and there was major headaches because of the continental merger. Oh, right. They, they couldn't fly on the same planes. They had all these cr- crazy union rules. But anyway, it, it, that system emerged and he he really tried to uh, push it back and work on it. And he ended up doing quite well with it. Um, but anyway, um, this guy also points out, uh, Donaldson points out, There's, there are no separate systems. The system is always connected. It's never severable. The system itself does not recognize boundaries. Only we do. This is what Herman Simon, um, Herbert Simon, sorry, meant by bounded rationality. That refers to the tendency for people within the system to behave as if the boundaries are real. Like the Mm. dog thinking the electric fence is a real, is a real boundary. People will begin to maximize the interactions within their boundaries but it could be detrimental to the system as a whole. I just read a thing in Bartleby where managers hoard the best workers for their, you know, everybody wants the best workers, right? Mm -hmm. Well, think about how detrimental that is to a system. Sure. That's maximizing their silo or their team or whatever, but Mm -hmm. is it, is it, is it optimizing the entire system? Of course not. And that's going to have shocks throughout this. That's going to cause shock waves throughout the system when you just do a move like that. Yeah.
2: There there's there's a story I, I I don't know if it's apocryphal or based on some scientific research that was actually done, but it was I think in the 30s with a a, a set of monkeys. And I believe it was something like that there was a a ladder with bananas at the top of the the, the, the this cage. Yes. And the the whenever the the a monkey would try to step up the ladder, they would spray water cannons at the other monkeys. So what the other monkeys would do is they would go and they would they, they would try to get get somebody off the the ladder they would get the other other monkey off the ladder right and it got to the point where they were able to introduce a new monkey like each time and at a certain point what they were able to do is just they, they didn't even have to spray the water cannon anymore
1: right, just right
2: whenever whenever one of the monkey tried to get up on the ladder, the other would attack
1: it and attack rip it, it down <laughs> right. <laughs> there was a guy up in Canada who used that video uh, and he equated it to hourly billing. (laughs) Uh, He did it in a very creative way. I, do you remember that it was was years ago, but okay, no, you know, we talked about that. Um, this guy also talks about the concept of systematicity, which is, you know, the, 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 the inescapable connection to the larger system. He's got all these really cool words, but there is another, um, there is another concept that, and we'll talk about this after the break, that I really like. He, first off, all systems require feedback loops, right, critical to the proper functioning. This is why I think AARs are so, are, are, are so vital. But he also talks about, he doesn't call it a bar a before action review, but that's kind of what he's proposing in replace of the annual performance appraisal. He, he hates annual performance appraisals as much as we do because it, the feedback loop is too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just can't wait and do this once a year. Um, and like he said, you know, participants in the system often see or sense the real feedback. But the thing that the, the example I love most in the book is his concept of the hermeneutic circle, the hermeneutic circle. Um, and we're going to talk about that next Ed, after the break. So, folks, I want to remind you, if you want to get a hold of me or Ed, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com check us out soul of We'll post full show notes and also would like to give a shout out to Mark Gandy of CFOBookshelf.com, uh, where we got this idea to go over this book. Thank you, Mark and check Mark's uh, show and podcast out at CFO And now a word from our sponsors.
3: bring our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
2: Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients.
3: commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com TSOE. Subscribe now and be free. You're worth it. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
0: we are tuned into the Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag #AskTSOE. Now back to the Soul of Enterprise. And
2: we are back on the Soul of Enterprise. Where we are talking about systems thinking made simpler or easier. And now, but Ron's throwing words at us like systematicity and hermeneutic circles. Ron, this is not simpler or easier. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. but 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 this concept is this concept no, know, is know, really cool.
1: Hermeneutic <laughs> circle. So it's a philosophic approach, most often related to legal and religious texts, and reading and and absorbing the text in a circular fashion is is what it is what it means. Understand the whole to understand the parts, while simultaneously understanding the parts to understand the whole. The example he gives, I I just love, reading a Mm -hmm. book that you're only part way through, you have only a vague idea of what the conclusion might be. Until you have completed the book, you are unsure. You have not completed the hermeneutic circle, so the parts are insufficient to give you a concept of the whole. But once you've completed the book, the chapters, characters, plot lines make sense. And of course, each additional reading, you get more nuance and more subtlety. Mm. that's the hermeneutic circle. And that's that's the metaphor he gave. I love that.
2: Mm.
1: That's fantastic. And if you think about it, you go into an organization in your team, your department, your silo, whatever. It, I know it's kind of like the blind men touching the different parts of the elephant, right? Right, it, and it, another it, classic it, systems thinking it, story, it, yeah. Exactly. And and that's what this is. Until you read the whole book, until you see the whole operation. This is why I think companies that, that do you know cross- Um, I hate to use the word train, but I don't know what else to call it. Cross train people in different, you know, make the baggage handler, be a flight attendant and and gate agent and all that. It gives you a bigger appreciation for the whole, Mm -hmm. how what I'm doing up here is affect, you know, how what I'm doing above the wing is affecting the people below the wing.
2: Yeah. And and that just to be, because people get exposed to everything that's going on, and you know, which is why we, we we suggest that you be very careful when you pick up pick out what you're going to measure in the, in the metrics in your organizations because of the impact on the system's thinking. I mean, you're you're a great example that, that you come up. Well, you talk about the airline triple crown, right? right? Lost lost luggage, customer complaints, and on-time performance. All of those are, are great measurements because the most people in the system can affect them. Right. It's Everybody not, they're not silo that. They're not siloed metrics. Not at all. Yeah. So you have to be careful when you're selecting them that you want to make something. Whereas if you're looking at revenue, well, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. I just, I just thought that metaphor of reading the book was really good. And then he quotes another guy, Jeff Hawkins, who said this, and this is another one of those deep, profound thoughts. He says, complexity is a symptom of confusion not a cause.
2: Say that again. Complexity.
1: Complexity is a symptom of confusion, not a cause. Okay. Yep. So he talks about systems complexify. Sorry. There's another word. Mm-hmm. They self-evolve into what can seem like unrecognizable messes. And Russell Lackoff says manager is managers. We don't solve problems. We manage these messes. Right because systems seldom present easy solutions this is why Herbert Simon said we satisfy, right Mm we we do what's satisfactory and sufficient but in a system there's always winners and losers and you must understand and embrace that duality right and And this is where both and thinking comes from too rather than you know and or
2: well, yeah, and this, but this goes back to one of the, and we talked about this in the show that we did on systems thinking, and I, I've, I've talked about this fairly often in my career. But the laws of systems thinking, one of which is that you can have your cake and eat it too, but not at once. Not at once. Yep. And that is such an important point because, I especially with the, with the work that we've done with with firms, it, it, yes, it is very difficult to. to Change the system that you're in. People think they oh we just instantaneously switch over from value price from fixed pricing to value pricing or from time sheets. No, it is it, it has to be a process. And you can improve cert- two things simultaneously. The the classic example of you of you can have your cake and eat it too, but not at once, is in manufacturing, which is you can't improve the quality of right. a manufactured good at the same time that you reduce costs, right? Because the the improvement of the quality is going to cost you something in the short run, but the hope is that over the long term that that reduces costs. But so so you know this is why the 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 thing where that makes me crazy, and we know we need to come up with Ron the the laws of anti systems thinking, right? Because one of them is we're going to do less with more. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so if, if if any of our listeners out there have examples of this these BS anti systems thinking snippets, I think we could do a show on that. I think that would be fascinating to try to put together these the these more like the some of the business myths that we've destroyed but but more the this this talk less with more come on give me a break
1: yeah i I, I even see this ed it it really dawned on me too just watching some of these people talk about technology and I'm not just talking about AI and chat GPT but just any app or that does this it's going to optimize this it's gonna do okay but it, this goes back to that fallacy of uh, what, what's that what's one of the sengi laws about you know today's problems are are yesterday's solutions and yes. your example is they created spreadsheets and now we have 52 spreadsheets that don't talk to one another but isn't the same thing going on every time we introduce a piece of technology no mm-hmm. matter how bright shiny and cool it is, it's going to reverberate throughout the system. And if the system doesn't like it, it's going to frigging reject it.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and they, they last forever. And I, I think I'm going I'm to bring up here, Ron, this is one of my favorite stories to illustrate that, that that law of systems thinking, which is today's problem, come from yesterday's solutions. And this is a fairly famous story. It's been out for quite some time. Uh, it, it's about the, s- the story of the space shuttle and the horse's rear end. And this is this is the way, way, way this goes. That the, the standard railroad gauge is four feet, uh, four feet eight and a half inches. Kind of weird. It's because the way they built them in England and the U.S. railroads were built by English expatriates, right? <laughs> so uh, the the railway lines were the same that people in the pre-world. So why did they? Why would they this way? Well, because they they uh, based on the the tramways that had jigs and tools, uh, which were based on how the spacing between the wagon wheels. Uh, that that where people would created ruts in the in the in the road, so that's where they put the railroads down, and they put it where the ruts were in the in, in the road, and which goes back to the the Roman chariots, which had the same uh, wheel wheelbase as the you know two horses, and it turns out that one of the rest the the specifications for the the, the space shuttle was that their solid rocket boosters, the two things, the two rockets on the side, right, had right. to be able to fit on a railroad car. Yep so the the whole thing is is that the the most advanced transportation system ever designed by man was still influenced by the width of a Roman chariot and two yeah. horses'
1: asses uh, yeah, I love that it's a great It's a great story <laughs> love that <clears throat> well well you know this kind of bleeds into leu goldratt's theory of constraints right um he he was talking about throughput problems and he said you know there's certain parts of the system that limit total system throughput what he called bottlenecks no amount of optimization before or after the bottleneck will improve total system throughput as long as the bottleneck remains the limiting factor this is the fat kid and the boy scout troop right doing Mm -hmm. on the hike the the whole troop is going to be limited by the fat kid um but it's so true, Ed, because we think we look at that and we go, oh, well, we'll just optimize this and we'll optimize this and the whole system will be better. It doesn't, it, uh, doesn't matter. It, it, it does, yeah, it doesn't work this way. And I think we get, we, we so miss this. And I see managers miss it. I see leaders miss it. Um, it, it but, you
2: know, I just want to go back to the, the Goldbrand thing because there's a great insight in there. And it's, it, it's, if you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. It's called The Goal. And it's really written in story format, right? Yeah. As a as an allegory. It was one and, of the first. Yes. To yeah. Be written like that. Yeah, like Patrick Linconi and his work has kind of come a- a- after that. But th- this notion of the, I think, the, as I recall, it's been a long time since I read the book. But as I recall, the the story is is that they had a specific order for some customer that needed to be expedited. Right. And they figured out a way to get this expedited and then someone in a meeting asked a very simple question if we can if we can do this expedite it why can't we always do it
1: do it right (laughs) Why? why can't it always be like this well you know goldratt again he was a physicist and uh, our late colleague uh, reginald lee got to work with him but he says he also said there will always be a constraining part of the system the bottleneck will merely migrate to another part of the system so his 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 steps were find where the system is constrained the bottleneck understand the constraint develop a solution predict second order system effects and determine if you can live with those implement the proposed solution and then look for where the bottleneck migrated to
2: it's like this, you know you squeeze the balloon right the, yep yeah
1: yep um and you know as this guy points out Donaldson beware managers begin changing things from a viewpoint bounded by what they see, but it's going to have consequences somewhere else in the system. It has to, it's all connected. It's all connected. This is why we can't just change one part and not expect another part to, you know, to, to, to not suffer the consequences. The idea of a system being kind of zero sum is kind of a scary thing, Mm -hmm. right? That there's always winners and losers.
2: Yeah, the the thing is, is if, Ron, is that leaders behave as if it's not true. Like they, they, and that, that's that's the bizarre part of this is that, that they, they know it, they have to know it because it's, it constantly happens. It's never not happened, but yet, oh no, it's just no, it's going to be all right. We're just going to we'll tweak we'll tweak the comp plan, Ron, and everything will be fine.
1: Everything will be fine. We just yeah. we
2: just we just tweak the comp plan.
1: He uh-huh. talks about, you know, he talks about how consultants will tell you, oh, they understand your system better. Their system is the right, you know, uh, the only method for understanding your enterprise. And he, he equates this to like a golfer buying new clubs, right? It's it's never it's, it's, it's never the golfer. It's always the tools, right? Um, but he did study over 2,400 manage, management models like the McKinsey 7S, right? Strategy, structure, system, staff. Style, skills, and shared values. I think it is, um, and he did find that there are element there. There are common elements in your in every enterprise, and he laid them out: governance, leadership, organizational culture and climate, learning and development of employees, strategic planning, organizational structure, and control systems. And then, so he kind of gave a chapter on each of those. Mm. and how it how it relates to the system and that's where we can go next that i can give you some of the high i'm not going to go through all seven of them but i'll go through some of the highlights and and uh tell the folks what he said about those those uh those points. So,
2: mm, Well, it sounds good, Ron, but I want to remind our listeners that they can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Quick reminder that we'd love for you to rate this podcast and you can do that by going to ratethispodcast.com slash tsoe. But right now, a word from our sponsors and my employer, Sage.
3: Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America
2: TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients.
3: Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the diamond water paradox. Go to Patreon.com/tsoe and subscribe today, please. For the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk
1: station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise.
2: And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise talking about systems thinking made simpler. And Ron, there's some other stuff from this book that you think is important for us to talk about. So let's jump in.
1: Hey, he talks about the, these these uh, most common elements of your enterprise whether they're going to emerge whether by default or design so governance leadership organizational culture learning and development of your team strategic planning sh- organizational structure and control systems he points out that governance sets the purpose for the whole system by default or design but often governance is the most opaque and mysterious element of the inter- he calls it the enterprise management system overall mm. And he talks about governance and its impact can dwell unexamined for long periods and emerging only in a time of crisis that's a really good point so if, how does this
2: if, this relate to the, the the partnership model
1: in CPA firms is that that's oh, where well, that's
2: where I was thinking
1: it, exactly that. that's the ultimate cruise control mm-hmm. right until mm-hmm. until you have a, a confronted with some big change um, it's a really so we, so we got
2: to make a capital call.
1: It could be. <laughs> Everything's great. <laughs> Everything's great. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, and then he talks about leadership is the most powerful in the system after the initial purpose of the system is set by governance, and leadership alone has the vision and authority to design and develop the system, or to ignore it and let the system develop by default. And he points out the extensive writing on leadership. Has been offered without context afforded by systems thinking. Mm -hmm. The the, the leaders tend not to think about it, but they he 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 suggests a leader must cultivate two critical traits: systems thinking and humility.
2: (laughs) So so, so I tell tell the story. This there there was a company I was working with that had had, uh, this is a long long time ago. Had a, a performance management system that was put in place and. The performance management system, whatever their their year end, let's call it their year end was December 31st. I don't don't recall that it was, and I don't think it was calendar year end, but let's just say for the purposes of this story that it was. Well, because they wanted to make sure that everybody got their year end review done and in place, they actually said that you had to do your uh, year end conversations and go through the process starting at the end of November, but the measurements that you put in place were based on the entirety of the year. So you were trying to work in within the system where we weren't quite finished the year, but we still, but we had to do the, the performance review anyway, as if we had done the whole year. And I said, well, why don't you just back it up? Why don't you just, you know, have the the performance year end September thirtieth, and then that way you can conduct the performance reviews in the fourth quarter but but, but have that they're like no we can't have that it's got to be the year i mean <laughs> i don't I,
1: I, okay you know this guy's he talks about this in the feedback section um mm-hmm. because the feedback is really important in the system and of course he talks about the difference between efficiency and effectiveness which i love but he talks about performance reviews are one of the most dreaded tasks in business today. But he said there's a better way, this, and he calls it success planning, where in advance, you and your direct report have discussed together what constitutes success.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: reviewing the performance becomes much more objective and much less stressful, um, especially if that's done with an AAR. So it's kind of like a bar and an AAR.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we've documented that enough to know that that's, those are far superior to, <laughs> for to sure. any performance. review. Yeah.
1: And when he talks about culture reflects the interactions of the system, he says, if you do not complete the story for your employees, they will complete it themselves. So the, the kind of back to the comment, the truth will always emerge from the system. Mm-hmm. Merely writing down the values you expect will not suffice. There's a great Italian saying the paper will not refuse the ink <laughs>
2: <laughs> nope nope um, yeah so, so um, um, and, and anything on the performance review just you know I always I, my I, I always go to that that keep big keith's appraisal in the british version of the office which was just yes absolutely hysterical classic. we'll we'll put we'll put it in the show notes it's it's classic yeah classic way to look at it I-
1: he also, I, and I love this, because, you know, we, we try and teach after action reviews, and that's another kind, kind of different, a difficult cultural change, but that could have a m- massive impact on, because it affects the interactions of the people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it affects learning and even teaching to some extent, um, but he quotes this guy, George Stoddard, and I think it was one of his mentors, and he says, we learn to do neither by thinking nor by doing we learn to do by thinking about what we are doing. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: That, that's, that's very meta, Ron. That's, that's... very
1: meta. That's very, <laughs> I just, I absolutely love that. And then of course, Peter Drucker, he, I've never, I've, I can't remember this line, but Drucker said, the talk you hear about adapting to change is not only stupid, it's dangerous. The only way you can manage change is to create it by the time you catch up to change, the competition is ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's Mr. Drucker. Um, Drucker was really the guy who, who really made the point over and over that your business, no matter what it is, your organization is an interdependent system.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He
1: kind of equated it to the human body that you just can't optimize every organ and be healthy. Right. You know, sometimes you have to let an organ go or cut off a limb to optimize it overall, and it's it's like these firms just want to optimize every single piece and think they have a more effective whole. And 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 they can't. And you know, and that
2: and that leads to something that's been a bugaboo of mine, and I've been banging my spoon against my high chair for years about this. Is that this and this may be another one of those anti-systems thinking laws right but it's the, 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 this whole um this whole notion about the about us the system uh and i've lost my train of thought ron so where are we on this um <laughs> continue i'll come back to it
1: well w De- demings said that you know 94 97 of the problems in business were systemic meaning that when when he saw a problem in an organization he never blamed the person
2: then, okay.
1: It, w- w- it was a systems problem.
2: Yeah, and that's that's exactly what it was. Where, where the 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 system ends up, where the people end up serving the system, right? Rather than the system serving the people, right? Right. And that's and the, that's what that that leads to. That optimization problem of e- absolutely everything directly leads to people serving systems.
1: Yep. Yeah. And it, this was Drucker's point about knowledge workers, and one of the ways it was completely different from the blue collar workers of the past, or even I guess some extent, the agricultural workers is in a knowledge environment. The knowledge worker is the system. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't mean that, you know, they don't have to work together and collaborate and all of that, but um, you know, it's a different, it's a different paradigm. Yeah. Um, So, you know, he, he finishes the book by saying life is too short to live in or be a warden to a psychic prison <laughs> he said so build a system of shared purpose vision values and commitment grant people clear inspiring areas of freedom where they can grow and prosper very blocky mm-hmm. and you'd best start believing in systems because you're in one <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's what's the the riff on the i'll do riff on the yakov Shmirnov old line you know in 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 the in, in Russia, you know, you, the party always, oh, you may not party always finds you or the, you you might not be interested in politics, but politics is always interested in you. you? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. What was that? The old joke about the, what's great about the Stasi? what made the Stasi better than Uber? They, they already knew where you were going. (laughs) (laughs) They picked you up. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, Well, Ed, what do we have next week?
2: Ron, we are undetermined on next week's topic, so we're going to have to come up with something. But in two weeks, I'll mention in two weeks' time that we're going to have our interview with Brian Kaplan, economist Brian Kaplan, one of the the really great – I wouldn't say young economist anymore. He was young maybe 20 years ago when we first right, started right. reading him, but now but now he's just, he's just in there. But he's a fantastic thinker, and I, I really can't wait to talk to him. But next week, we'll come up with something, Ron.
1: Excellent. Well, maybe uh, people can write in, give us suggestions, or tweet us. uh Absolutely. sounds sounds great, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com for more information on each show and upcoming shows, plus resources and books and other things that we've mentioned today. Also, you can contact me or Ed at ask, TSOE at jersage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.